0: Today, I am interviewing Tracy Lang about We Are the Brennans. Born in the Bronx and raised in Manhattan, Tracy comes from a large Irish family with a few secrets of its own. She headed west and graduated from the University of New Mexico before owning and operating a behavioral healthcare company with her husband for 15 years. While writing her debut novel, We Are the Brennans, she completed the Stanford University online novel writing program. Tracy currently lives in Bend, Oregon, with her husband, two sons, and their German shepherd. We Are the Brennans is one of my favorite novels of the year, and I loved chatting with Tracy about it. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Tracy. How are you today?
1: I'm great. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great as well, and I'm so excited that you're here to talk with me because I love, love, loved We Are the Brennans. It will be one of my favorite reads of the year.
1: Oh, wow! Thank you so much, and thank you for having me.
0: Well, absolutely. I'm so excited to talk about it all. Well, why don't we start with you giving a quick synopsis of We Are the Brennans for those that haven't read it yet?
1: Sure. I'll kind of give you the 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 quick pitch. Basically, We Are the Brennans is about an Irish Catholic family based out of Westchester, New York. And uh, they're a really tight crew, probably a little too mixed up in each other's lives at times. When the book opens up, the one female sibling of the four is living in Los Angeles. And she gets into a pretty nasty drunk driving accident that she caused. She's a little beat up and in the hospital, and uh, her older brother comes out and convinces her to come home to recuperate for a while. And so they're all excited to have her back in the house. She's happy to be there, but it kind of kicks up a lot of turmoil for everyone because she left five years ago with little explanation, and kind of suddenly she abandoned a fiance who's still very much in the picture because he's kind of part of the family. And she begins to realize the longer she's home that her dad and her brothers are uh, maybe struggling a little bit more than she realized. So her homecoming sort of kicks up all of this. And all the Brennans have secrets that they need to confront and work together to get through if they're going to pull through this together.
0: And I know we can't really address it, but that ending, because I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't read it, but did you know that was going to be the ending the entire time?
1: I didn't. I didn't know. I rarely know really what the ending is going to be when I start that first draft. It was the ending of the first draft, but I didn't know until I got pretty far into the book.
0: Well, I loved that. And I've heard a variety of people comment on it. Yeah. How did you come up with the idea for this one? And then what was your publishing journey like?
1: The idea for the book certainly came somewhat from my own experience growing up in this world. I come from a big Irish Catholic family. I've got loads of family in Ireland and throughout various parts of New York. And none of the characters or events are based on me or my family. <laughs> or I always feel the need to mention that. But certainly there are some personalities and a little bit of history. The dad and the family, Mickey, I, it was kind of fun to weave in some of my dad's history into his story, coming from Ireland and being in construction in New York for so long, things like that. So I definitely come from this world and and I felt like I knew it really well. And it just started with really just the snippets of someone coming back into the family fold after being gone for quite a while. That's where I landed first. And then I moved into characters and immediately started coming up with the characters and their relationships. So that's kind of where it came from for me. I guess it was really inspired by my own experience. And then as far as my publishing journey, I actually didn't jump into novel writing until about six or seven years ago. Uh, Before that, I was in the behavioral healthcare field for a long time. And writing was a big part of what I did, but not, uh, of course, creative writing. And so when I was able to step out of that business, that's when I decided to jump fully into novel writing. So I started reading all the resources I could get my hands on. I took a couple of classes. And then I found actually the two-year novel writing program through Stanford University. It's all online, fantastic experience. Um, I got to workshop various parts of this novel through that program. And that's where I found my writer's group that I still work with today. So I completed that program with a manuscript that was I felt in pretty good shape. Looking back, I realize now how far it still had to go. But I felt ready to try to get it out there into the world. And I ended up at a writer's conference in Kauai a couple of years ago. Uh, there's a big conference there each fall. And that's where I had an opportunity to meet with the woman who eventually became my agent. And talk to her about the book. And she asked me to send it to her. And so I did right away. And we kind of went from there. We worked on several drafts together. She had amazing feedback that helped me take it to the next level. And a few months later, we were able to, to sell it to Celadon.
0: That's so interesting to me on the Writers' Conference is to kind of, I guess there's a variety of them. The one that you went to, which, by the way, what a terrible place to have to be for
1: the Writers' Conference, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> Very good location for them to have it. But they, do they have kind of appointments set up where you can meet with people? I mean, how did you come in contact with your agent? How does that work?
1: So at most of these conferences, and they all work a little bit differently, but usually there is a component, a a day or two, part of that conference where you have an opportunity to book sessions with agents, sometimes editors. They're usually pretty brief, and you have a chance to sit down and basically pitch your book. And I have to say, this is not something that I'm really good at naturally, kind of that cold call type, let me sit here and sell you on me and my book in five minutes. So when I had the chance to sit down with Stephanie, my agent, I actually presented her with a, my very brief query letter, which is when you're trying to get your novel out in the world and trying to get an agent, you put together a, a query letter, we call it, and, and send that out. And it's a really, really brief couple paragraphs about your book and trying to hook interest. So she read my letter, and, and we ended up talking about it. and And at the end, she said, you know, this is in my wheelhouse, and so I'd like to read it. So it just worked out. We had a really great conversation and I was so excited after I talked to her. I felt like, wow, this, not only do I have a chance at an agent, but this particular agent. So I was just really fortunate it worked out that way. But that's, that's one of the great things about writers conferences. Even if you don't come out of it with an agent, usually you will come out of it some, with some really good feedback and maybe some new connections, definitely some inspiration. So yeah, that's. That's how that worked for me.
0: Okay, that's good to know. I'm always kind of curious how some of those aspects of the publishing industry work.
1: Yeah. Well, so you talk about
0: your family inspiring your story a little bit. Did they read it ahead of time? Have they liked it? Do any of them see themselves in the characters?
1: No, other than my dad, as I mentioned earlier, he, I sort of picked his brain throughout because he lived in New I grew up in New York, but I left there uh, quite a while ago, and he stayed there for a long time. So I could just pick his brain about construction, you know, geography, uh, all of it. So he was a big part of it. No one else in the family other than uh, my husband and my sons actually read it until it was close to publishing. And uh, I guess one of the big tests was I had relatives in Ireland read it since it's come out and and they love it. So they say, so I, I figure that's a good, a good test. But other than my dad's little history that I kind of weaved in there, no one, there may be some personalities people recognize here or there, but so far so good. Everybody seems to like it in the family.
0: Well, I just thought you might have siblings that are like, oh, I see myself in that. That's kind of fun. You know, sometimes people will talk about everyone thinks they're in someone's book.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm sure that various people recognize, oh, I know that story. Uh, that you told, you know, there's this little story about kind of a meet cute between two characters in the book that has to do with banana daiquiris, if you remember. So that story came from a friend. And so there certainly are things like that, for sure, that I I used in there. Well, who is
0: your favorite character to write and your least favorite character?
1: My favorite character, the one I kind of had the most fun with was Jackie. I wouldn't have minded spending more time with him. He only got two chapters, but he just was kind of a fun surprise, maybe because he was sort of the black sheep of the family to a degree. And I just tried to have a little fun with some of his language. So I uh, I really enjoyed writing Jackie once I found his voice. The hardest, well, my least favorite, I guess, would be Mora, the mom. She did not get any point of view chapters, but she was definitely a, a tough character to write, you know, without getting into too much. She was easy to judge. And I I really wanted to try to present the flip side of that, why she was the way she was, what shaped her. So she was probably my least favorite because in some ways she was just so much work, you know, and trying to get across that balance.
0: I think that's right. That the least favorite can often be the hardest. Yeah. So you do write from multiple point of views. Did you start out that way or was that something that came about over some of the revisions?
1: No, I started that way from the beginning with this book. And I really thought at some point, someone was going to tell me I needed to lose some of those points of view that it was too much. But I, I left them in there and they, they seemed to work. But they were all in there from the beginning, all of those points of view.
0: I think it works very well. And I think the way you disseminate information through them works really well. I can see where everyone would have said, just leave them in, because it definitely is a great way that the information and the secrets and everything slowly come out through the right characters.
1: That's what I was hoping. That's what I was hoping. But there is a, a concern at times with too many voices that it can get a little confusing or distracting. And But you know, I worked on it and presented it, when, especially with my writing group, and it seemed to work for everybody. So I, I went with it. And you're right. It was so much... It was such a great way to deal with all of the various secrets the characters are harboring and let the reader in on some when other characters don't know about it. So it was, it was a lot of fun, actually, to use all those voices.
0: That format always works really well for me as a reader. Me too. So you hit the New York Times list immediately, which was just so exciting. Were you just thrilled to pieces when you heard?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of still have a hard time believing that. I guess it sunk in for the most part. But yeah, it was, that was pretty amazing. My publisher sent an email and uh, said, can you jump on an urgent call? And of course, my mind went to, uh-oh, something <laughs> must be wrong. you know. And, and we got on and the whole team was on. There was a video call and, and then they let me know. So it was incredibly exciting and, and surreal. Well,
0: I always love seeing that with books that I have read and love. So I was like, oh, that's very exciting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what about your book title and your book cover? Can you talk a little
1: bit about how those came about? As far as the title, that also was there from the beginning. Um, I wasn't entirely sure it would stay. I like to have a working title at least. So I just something to kind of hang on to. And although, the although Sunday, the daughter and the family is sort of what I would think it was the main protagonist there, it's very much about the whole family. And obviously, so many of the family members get a voice in the book. And so it it felt like it just fit. And uh, so I went with it. And that was another aspect I thought, well, at some point, if someone tells me we need a something a little different, we can go with it. But again, it seemed to, to work. So it It stuck. I wish I could take any credit for the cover. I love it. That was all Celadon, the publisher. And it was interesting. They had settled on a a different cover at first, which I was perfectly happy with. And then probably at least a month or two went by and they called and said, wait a sec, we have a new one we want you to look at. And it's, it's the current one. And I just thought how perfect it was. So yeah, I can't take any credit for it, but I absolutely love it.
0: I really like covers that are unique and different. And so that's one of the things I love about yours. Like I, I don't like it when there's 10 books that all look like they're in the exact same vein. And then I have to sit here and think, now which book is that? So I'd love it because as soon as I see your cover, I'm like, I know what book that is. And it's just so nice because it really stands out.
1: Yeah, thank you. I I was so excited. Like I said, I was I thought I was perfectly happy with the first one. And then they showed me that. And I thought, wow, that is it.
0: So yeah, the great work on their part. Absolutely. I always think that Celadon does a wonderful job just from beginning to end and Their communication, their covers, their titles, the books that they buy and promote, I think are just almost always fabulous.
1: They have been, I must say, I don't know what else I could possibly ask for. They've been amazing to work with, so supportive and encouraging and inclusive. And I can't say enough about everybody on that team.
0: And I love the Little Free Library program that they do. And I participated in your book with that one. And I just think that's so fun, you know, to pick a Little Free Library in a city. For those that don't know that are listening, Celadon does this program where they contact all their influencers and ask if you want to participate in a little free library drop all on the same day. And then whatever the title is, everybody gets a copy of it that wants to participate. Let Celadon know ahead of time where their little free library they're going to do it is. They create a map. And then the day of, you put it in there, and then you take a photo and post it on Instagram. And it's just been so successful, and it's so much fun to participate.
1: Yeah, I've learned so much about that this year, especially the Instagram community and just so many people getting out there and getting the word out. And yeah, that's very important to sell it on. They're a big part of that too. But it's been so neat to see that, not just with my book, but with any new books that come out and get placed all over the country.
0: And then I've had people actually find mine and let me know, oh, I got the one that you dropped. And so it's just kind of fun to hear about it. I just actually wrote an article. I write a monthly, couple monthly columns for a Houston magazine. And I just wrote an extra column this month on little free libraries because I think it's just such a neat program.
1: It is. It is. Yeah. It's wonderful. I love it.
0: And I always think it's interesting that authors have to do so much promotion and advertising may not be the right word, but, you know, really having to get involved on social media. I always feel like that that's got to be a lot of work. You've got your book out there, you're all set. And then on top of it, you're having to kind of, participate in all this self-promotion, which can be hard.
1: Yeah. I, I, again, I feel very fortunate because Celadon has such a professional team. They know what they're doing. I really wasn't very visible on Facebook or or any social media. I only did Facebook for family. And, but they did ask me after they bought the book, if I would think about, you know, starting an Instagram and a Twitter account and, but they were very, no pressure about it and kind of walked me through it and how to keep it pretty simple and I've actually ended up enjoying it quite a bit. I, I know there's that danger of sort of going down the rabbit hole and getting caught up for hours. So I've been able to avoid that. and But it is, it is sort of fun to get on there and see how enthusiastic people are in the book community. Yeah, I, I've been, again, they know what they're doing as far as the whole marketing goes. And I had I thank them so much for what they've done.
0: Well, That's great, and I do think Instagram is so much fun because I just learn about so many different books, and I've met so many nice people, and interacted with authors and other bookstagrammers and it's a fun community.
1: Yeah, it is definitely. Well, are you working
0: on anything at the present that you'd like to share with me?
1: Well, I I'm in I'm pretty far into my next one. I I sent it to my agent, and she thought it was uh, she liked a lot about it, but as always, had some really great notes that take time to dig into. So I'm kind of working my way through the next draft now. I guess really I would just sort of say at this point that it, it is a bit of another messy family uh, that I'm diving into here, but just very different dynamics and, and characters. But that is that is so much of what interests me in my reading and writing is are those relationships. So I'm kind of going back at it, but a, in a different way.
0: An Irish family again.
1: They are an Irish family, yes. (laughs) So there is that. (laughs) There you go.
0: What about advice for aspiring authors? Do you
1: have any good advice? There's certainly going to be that fair share of rejection and self-doubt and all of that fun stuff. And you just have to keep writing through that. But as far as really practical advice, I know that one thing that has just been so important to me is my writers group. And everybody works differently, and, and that may not work for some people, but I would definitely encourage people to put time into finding a, a solid group if that interests them. They don't have to write in the same genre as you. I work with people that write young adults and thrillers, and so it varies, but we're just, we work well together and we're able to help each other improve our work. And I learned so much from working with them. And I benefit so much from their feedback and willingness to hash out things with me. You know, it's just such a solitary endeavor. So to have that support and accountability and, and the challenge, you know, they're constantly challenging me to improve things. So that is definitely something I would encourage people to think about because it really, really is such a huge support and help to have that writer's group. How
0: many people are in your writer's group?
1: I have three people that I work with really closely, basically every week we swap work unless, of course, something unusual comes up. And we're very in tune with each other's work and what what we're going for. And so it's just so valuable to even be able to send a text in the middle of the day and say, hey, what if I tried this and, and have someone come back and say, yeah, I think that might work and because they know your story. And then I do have a few other writer friends that I, I communicate with less frequently, but they're available. You know, If I finish a draft and I'd like some fresh eyes on it, I have a couple of people I can reach out to and I know can offer really valuable feedback, so it's really nice to have those those people in your world when you're doing this.
0: Absolutely. So you're not operating in a complete vacuum,
1: right? Exactly. Well, what about what you've
0: read recently that you really liked?
1: Well, I was fortunate enough to get kind of an advanced copy recently of one I'll mention because I really enjoyed it, and it would be one to look out for. It's called "The Truth About Ben and June" by Alex Geister. I don't think it's out till next year. I should have looked that up. But definitely one to put on your radar. Really great book. One I read, it was a book of the month pick, this next one. But I, I just, I thought it was wonderful. Uh, Razorblade Tears by S.A. Crosby. Really just a complex story with just rich characters and lots of gray. R- really great book. And then uh, one other one I'd recommend, kind of a, I guess a quieter story, but a really beautiful book was Dear Emmy Blue by Leah Lewis about love and friendship and all kinds of great stuff. So those are three that kind of stuck out for me recently.
0: I have heard such good things about Razorblade Tears, and I haven't mm. read it yet. Um, and then I've seen Dear Emmy Blue, so that's good to know. And then I'll have to keep an eye out for the third. I always love knowing about titles that are coming out in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was fortunate enough to read that. And uh, so, that, yeah, that's one to look out for, for sure. Good. Well, Tracy,
0: thank you so much for joining me today on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you.
1: Me too. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please consider joining my Patreon as a page turner. Follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed today can be purchased at the Conversations From a Page bookshop storefront and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to Maggie Garza for sponsoring this episode and I hope you'll tune in next time.